Heavenly Father, we continue to worship you now by first of all just saying thank you for bringing us into a new year, a new opportunity to to walk with you in a fresh new way. And God, we just acknowledge this morning that your love for us is so great and compelling. You call us into your presence. You invite us and welcome us to come to you because you love us that much. And thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your son, to be the savior of the world. Thank you for an opportunity today to acknowledge the fact that our salvation is in nothing else but Jesus alone. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that draws us to come to you and come to your word and understand that in your word, you're just bringing yourself to us in a way that we can understand and calling us to to love you and walk with you and honor you with all of our life. And so God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, we, we come to you, we humble ourselves before you and we continue to worship you now. And we open up our lives to say, God, whatever you call us to do today, our answer is yes, we do want to follow you. Thank you for calling us. To, be, to come to you and to listen to you and to obey you. And we commit to do that now as we continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew for the next several months as we um, head toward uh, looking at the greatest message that's ever been preached, ever been presented in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus our Savior preached. And in preparation for that, we look today at Matthew chapter 3. So open your Bible to Matthew chapter 3 and, and leave your Bible open there as we walk together through this passage today. God has a special New Year's message uh, for us today. You know, we live in a world of messages, don't we? Uh, messages come to us through many different forms. Uh, we receive television messages and radio messages and billboard messages and snail mail messages, voicemail messages, text messages, uh, Facebook messages, TikTok messages, <laughs> all kinds of messages, especially uh, today in our modern generation, uh, social media is a big avenue for us uh, to, to receive messages. We have podcast kinds of messages. We receive messages from our government uh, and systems of government around us. Some of you live in uh, communities that have HOAs, and you get messages from the HOAs. Uh, we, we have institutions that send us messages. Uh, of course, we have religious kinds of messages and systems where preachers like me deliver messages on a regular basis. You probably know that some messages are worth listening to and some messages are not worth listening to. For example, you get a message from your doctor and the doctor's message says your biopsy is negative. That's a good message, isn't it? Or you get a message that reads something like one I recently received and it says 
you have won $50,000. Simply send us your bank account number and your routing number, and we'll direct deposit the $50,000 into your account. Have you ever gotten anything like that? Well, those messages obviously are not even worth listening to. So how do we know when a message is a message we can trust or a message we can't trust? Well, today we're going to look at a message that we can trust and why we can trust the greatest message that's ever changed the world that we live in. Matthew chapter 3 opens us up to a new world of messages and a message that literally has changed the world. So I want you to follow me as we unpack this important part of our journey through Matthew Today, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew introduces us to a faithful messenger, to a fervent message, and to a faithful example. So let's break down those three parts of what it means to have a faithful message that we can honestly trust. First of all, let's look at the faithful messenger. We see that exposed in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where Matthew writes, In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now we know very little about Jesus up until the time that he was 30 years old. Uh, In those days, Matthew starts out this part of his gospel. In those days signifies that something important was happening. Something magnificent was happening. People who knew anything about the Jewish religion were excited. John was a long-anticipated prophet. And in those days, introduces us to a fact that, especially for Jewish people, they had been looking for Messiah. And Messiah was finally coming. John carried that message that there was a new day coming, a new hope coming. The Messiah was finally coming. And so John was a faithful and a credible messenger. People listened to him because his lifestyle matched what he said. John the Baptist was a credible messenger because he spoke like the Old Testament prophets. He encouraged people to turn away from their sin and turn back to God and receive God's forgiveness Receive God's mercy. So in those days, Matthew says, John the Baptist came preaching. John had an incredible life story. Uh, His mother, Elizabeth, was too old to have a child when John the Baptist was born. He could have spent a lot of time talking about his incredible birth. His father, Zechariah, was a temple priest. In fact, you remember the story Luke tells us that when, when Zechariah heard that, that Elizabeth was going to have a child, what did he do? He, he doubted God. And so for the nine months of the pregnancy of John the Baptist, his father, Zechariah, couldn't speak. He was muted. He had an incredible background. His mother was a, a, a cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. But his story, here's what I want us to capture here. His story that he preached 
was bigger than himself. He spent very little time talking about himself. Matthew gives us some important details about John, the messenger. But when John spoke, he spoke about something that was bigger than himself. Uh, there's a lesson in that for you and me today as well. When we speak, when we focus attention on conversation with other people, is our conversation more about us than it is about the message that we want to carry about Jesus? And we'll, we'll look deeply into that this morning. So the purpose of the message and ministry of John was to prepare the way for Jesus. And Matthew does give us some interesting details about John. Look in verse 4. John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And so get the picture here. Here John arrives on the scene. 400 years had passed since Malachi, since the last prophet in Israel. And he was very unique. His lifestyle was rugged. And his devotion to God was crystal clear. He was a faithful messenger. Um, most people thought that he was rather strange. You know, the clothes that he wore, the food that he ate seemed to be very strange. A garment of camel's hair, a leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey. He reminded the people who knew something about scriptures of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, who also lived in the wilderness and was rough and rugged. Now compare that. Compare that to the religious leaders of the day in which John came on the scene. The Pharisees and the Sadducees who are introduced here presented themselves with uh, flowing robes. They only ate what was ceremonially clean. They wanted to look good on the outside. John the Baptist could care less about what he looked like on the outside. He was more focused on the heart and what he looked like on the inside. And so he separated himself from the evil and the hypocrisy of those who were supposed to be the religious leaders of the day. People flocked to him because he was different in a good kind of way. His message was truth. His message was powerful. And because he was a faithful messenger, God's Spirit used the message that he preached to draw people to God, to draw them to repentance. They might have come out out of curiosity, listened to him out of curiosity. But the message that he spoke was so true and so powerful that many people came to repentance through his gospel that he preached. In 1840, a lady was born by the name of Lottie Moon. We said a lot in December every year around our place. We talk a lot about Lottie Moon because she was the first 
female missionary endorsed by the International Mission Board. Um, she grew up in a home with a father who was a tremendous witness for Christ, a staunch believer in Christ. But Lottie Moon rejected the message that her father tried to teach her. In fact, she ran just the opposite way. And then when she was 11 years old, her father died, and she became even more bitter toward God. But at age 18, she heard a gospel preacher clearly present the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she trusted Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And at that moment, her, her life was radically changed. She was a very well-educated young woman, and she became a teacher. She became a scholar. She began to teach in different places around the Civil War era of our country. And when she was 30 years old, she went to visit her sister who was on a mission trip to China. And during that mission trip to China, um, she thought she was going to come back and continue her teaching. But God gripped her life with a call to missions. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about her incredible life, but she spent from age 40 until she died at nearly age 80 as a missionary sharing the gospel to Chinese people in the country of China. One of my favorite quotes from her reads like this. Should we not press it home upon our conscience that the sole object of our conversion was not the salvation of our own souls, but that we might become co-workers with our Lord and Master in the conversion of the world. Do you hear what she's saying? It's great to be saved. It's great for us to let the gospel transform our life. But it's even greater when we understand that our purpose is bigger than ourselves. Our purpose is to take the gospel that God has given us through Jesus and share that gospel with the world. Here's what I'm saying. God wants to use you in the same way that he used John the Baptist. To share with the world around you that there's good news. And that good news is found in Jesus Christ and people repenting of their sin and turning away from their sin and turning to Jesus. John was that kind of faithful messenger. Lottie Moon was that kind of faithful messenger. So Matthew introduces us in, God, in, John's, in Matthew's gospel to the faithful messenger, John the Baptist. Secondly... Matthew introduces us to the fervent message. In verses 1 and 2 again, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John's message was a fervent message of repentance. What is repentance? Well, repentance is understanding that we have sinned against God. And repentance then, that's not all there is to repentance. 
admitting that I've sinned against God. But it's, it's more than that. It's admitting that I've sinned against God and then turning away from my sin and turning to sell out to God, to sell my life out to God. It begins with feeling remorse about sin. Now, the audience of John the Baptist had forgotten about a personal relationship with God. They were more interested in rules and regulations, looking good on the outside, and yet they had no personal relationship with God in their heart. They didn't even know God, much less walk with Him from the inside out. And so John's message attacked that with fervency. John's message was what could have been a wake-up call for religious people of his day. But rather than be a wake-up message, a wake-up call from John the Baptist, they rejected him. They turned away from him. I wonder how many people today have become comfortable in not really knowing God and having a personal living relationship with Him and just going through the motions of on the outside looking like we know God and looking like we worship Him. Are people today comfortable with living life without any regard to truly knowing God and walking with Him and making life all about knowing Jesus and personally making all of life about Him. I wonder how many people here today are willing to take some time and truly ask God's Holy Spirit if there's anything we need to repent of, anything that we're putting in priority over our relationship with God and our walk with God. Are you willing to take a few minutes today or tomorrow as we wind down this holiday season and ask God to search our heart and see if there's any wicked way in us that we need to repent of. Maybe you could ask yourself, as I ask myself, five simple questions. How is my life truly anchored solidly in Jesus Christ? In other words, do I really know Him? Am I really at a point in my life where nothing is more important to me than knowing Jesus and walking with Him? Second question, how can I spend unhindered time reading God's Word? I've, I've challenged you in the, in the last few years, but again this year, I'm challenging you to join me as we start today with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and Read a chapter a day. Is that asking too much that we read a chapter a day as we move through the next three and a quarter years if God tarries and truly ask the Holy Spirit as we read His Word. Say, God, show me what you want to know, what you want me to know about you. Show me what you want me to know about myself. Show me how I need to change to truly make you the priority of my life. Thirdly, how can I set aside focused time in my life to pray? 
I mean, have you taken time today to truly just go to God and seek His face in prayer? I want to look good on the outside, but how is my heart on the inside? Number four, how can I truly fellowship with other believers in, in my church and truly let my church become uh, a part of my life, an integral part of my life? We have on the front desk today the, the picture directories that we took at the end of last year. I want to challenge you to pick one up and, and take time to get some people that you haven't ever met before, that you haven't ever known before. And let fellowshipping with believers come, become a, an active part of knowing God and walking with God in fellowship with other people. God didn't design you to live alone on this earth. He wants you to live in fellowship with other people. And then finally, number five, how can I be the best witness to people here at home and also around the world? How can I invest my life beyond myself? Like John the Baptist, how can I carry the fervent message of the gospel to people around me who are closest to me as well as people who are scattered around the world? If you'll take a little time just to sit down and maybe go through those five questions or something similar to that and then say, God, is there anything I need to repent of? Are there any ways in my life that I need to listen to your messenger as the fervent message knocks on my heart's door? Am I willing to make changes to move away from living about all about myself to living all about Jesus? John's message was a message that was fervent. It was a message of repentance. It was a message that fervently introduced people to Jesus. Look at verse 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John's message was about the arrival of Messiah. And today we have a message that even more so helps people understand that Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. He died for our sins. He arose from the grave. And He promised He's coming back again. See, we have a fervent message as well. And in this passage, John's fervent message was convicting. He didn't just candy coat His message. Look at verses 7 through 12 and listen to the passion in his message. Matthew says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, knew exactly what John the Baptist was saying here. See, a viper in their mind represented the devil. They knew that. And he was calling them sons of the devil. He was calling them a brood of vipers, a brood of 
devils. They were supposed to be the religious leaders of the day. They were supposed to be people who represented God to the people of God. And yet John was calling them out for being from the devil rather than being godly leaders. But he didn't end there. Look at verse 9. Do you not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father? For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There's all kinds of sarcasm that John is directing toward the religious leaders of his day in this passage. Uh, He's calling them out when they claim to be children of Abraham, and yet they were only wearing that on the outside, on the inside of their heart. They were far from God, and John was exposing that. He was saying they were going to be cut down. They were going to be exposed. They were going to be burned in fire. He condemned their spirit of entitlement. And then he truly insulted them. See, Jews hated Gentiles. And these religious leaders knew exactly what John was saying when he said that the stones would be raised up. In other words, the gospel was coming now to the Gentiles. People like most of you and me. The Gentile world would now be open to the gospel and the door of the gospel would be open to the whole wide world, all of creation. Which was actually a fulfillment of the prophecy of Abraham himself. So I wonder what people are looking on today, looking at today to hold up before God as their righteousness. Well, I come to church. Well, I put a little money in the Salvation Army bucket every year at holiday time. I help feed hungry people. I help feed the poor. You see, being good is not good enough to get you to where God wants you to be. I wonder how many people today hear the message of John and just passes over, you know, like, I'm okay, I'm good enough, I'm fine, I don't need any help. These stones, these stones will be raised up. The reference to the Gentiles If you reject the gospel, the gospel is going to go somewhere else, to someone else. You're not going to stop the progression of the gospel. And then in verse 11, he just really puts the icing on the cake. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn away with unquenchable fire. Now again, the religious leaders were more concerned about what they looked like on the outside than they were on their heart, and John was exposing that. 
this fervent message called them out for their hypocrisy. How, how many people do you know in our world today who claim to know God and yet the heart is totally away, separated from God? John says he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Water is what cleans on the outside. Again, it's another picture. Fire purges deep down inside on the inside. And then John really closes his fervent message with a, a very harsh, clear picture. You know what a winnowing fork is? Farmers would take rice and wheat, grain, and they would hold the, the, the grain up and they would take the winnowing fork and beat it so that the grain would fall out and the chaff would blow away and fall aside. Again, these religious leaders of the day understood exactly what John was saying. He was saying, God's judgment is coming upon you. And like the winnowing fork, you're going to be beat and what's going to be falling out it's not going to be what is grain and good to eat. It's going to be like the chaff and you're going to be burned up. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who were supposed to be the religious leaders of the day, were being exposed. When Jesus was born, <clears throat> remember we talked the last couple of weeks that, you know, the wise men came they came to Jerusalem and they went to the religious leaders of the day and they said, where is this child that is to be born? And what did the religious leaders say? They said, according to the prophets, he's going to be in Bethlehem of Judea. See, they knew that the Messiah was coming. They knew where the Messiah was coming to. And yet their heart was not open to changing their lifestyle, changing the comfort of their lives to find Jesus, the King of the world. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were exposed by John the Baptist and his message. Like every true prophet, he fervently spoke the message of God. Now let me ask you something. This year and the coming year, just like in the past years, there are going to be times that you're going to face when the heat of this world is going to be burning in your life. The winnowing fork is going to hit on your life. And my question today for us to consider as we move into 2023, when the winnowing fork hits against our lives, what's going to fall out? Is it going to be the devotion that we have to Jesus? I pray that that's true. Or is it going to be chaff that's going to be gathered together and burned up? When you're standing face to face with evil, I want to challenge you to live according to the truth and speak according to the truth like John the Baptist did. Self-examination is a great thing. And we have an opportunity Today and tomorrow, 
to do some self-examination and to pray and let the Holy Spirit speak into our lives so that we can adjust our lives to the fervent message of the gospel rather than being burned away like the chaff of the world. On October 31st, 1517, a guy by the name of Martin Luther showed us another way of sharing a message to the world. He, he marched up to the official church door of Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed to the door of the church 95 items that he was calling the church out for. Uh, I read the 95 Theses this week and uh, be happy to share a copy of it with you. Throughout the 95 Theses, the primary thing that Martin Luther is exposing about the church is that Jesus came to this world to call us to repentance. And repentance is a daily opportunity for us. In fact, he said, and I quote, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of the believer to be one of repentance. He called the clergy out, the church out of his day, saying, you don't have to go to a priest in order to repent and turn away from your sin and turn to God. Because Jesus Christ is our high priest every day. In fact, anytime sin comes into our life, we can pray that the Holy Spirit exposes that sin and we can repent of it immediately. I pray that in 2023, you'll be like Martin Luther. I pray you'll be like Lottie Moon. I pray you'll be like John the Baptist. I pray that you will ask God to expose sin in your life as I expose sin in my life. And pray that he exposes sin in my life. And that we'll be willing to turn away from our comfort, turn away from our sin, and devote our life fully to the fervent message of the gospel. Finally, Matthew introduces us in verses 13 to 17 to a faithful example. We have a faithful message, we have a, we have a faithful messenger, we have a, a fervent message, and then finally we have a faithful example. In verse 13, when Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him, uh, see, Matthew is making it plain. And back in verse 3, I mean back in verse 6 of chapter 3, that the purpose of John's baptism was to provide an occasion for Jewish people to confess their sins and repent and get right with God. But John makes it clear that the baptism of, of Jesus was different. There was a transition here. Jesus never sinned. Jesus was perfect. Jesus did not need to confess anything. Matthew makes this crystal clear that Jesus is the 100% man, 100% God, perfect Son of God. So when Jesus came to John to be baptized, John said, whoa, wait a minute. I don't need to be baptizing you. I'm not even worthy to... Look at verse 14. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. 
and do you come to me? But Jesus gives him an incredible answer. Jesus said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Now I want us to understand what what Jesus was saying here. Jesus was saying, remember, he's perfect, he's sinless. Jesus was saying that I want to give you a new picture of what, what life really looks like in walking with God. John the Baptist was right. You and I have nothing that would qualify us to know Jesus. You and I have nothing that would qualify us to be a witness for Jesus. But that's the point. Look at verse 15. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus is our righteousness. When a person gives our life to Jesus and follows him in baptism, the clear picture is this. I'm not worthy to stand before God. I'm not worthy to be in relationship with God. But in the righteousness of Jesus, He has substituted my sin for His perfection, my sin for His righteousness. And the perfect picture of the righteousness of God is when we are willing to follow Jesus in obediently, trusting Him as our Savior, and then saying, I commit to show the world that I'm being buried to my old way of life and I'm taking on the righteousness of Jesus and now Jesus is my righteousness. We, we sing a song awfully that says, often that says, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. That's who Jesus is. And Jesus exposes to John through the obedience of him letting John baptize him, that the substitute for my righteousness is now Jesus Christ. He's taken all my sin, and he's given me his righteousness. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. John was obedient in following the command of Jesus to baptize Jesus. Most of us who know Jesus know how John must have felt. I'm not qualified to follow Jesus. I'm not qualified to witness for Jesus. But that's the point. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our defense. He wants us to put all of our eggs in his basket and follow him completely. So have you trusted Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Have you admitted that you're a sinner and truly repented of your sin, been sorry for your sin, and been willing to turn away from your sin and give your life to Jesus? That's what qualifies you to be a witness for Him. It's His righteousness. It's His defense. He stands before God and defends us before the Father when we put our trust and faith in Him. And once that happens in our life, then... He qualifies us 
and commands us actually to go and tell the world what he's done for us, to share the gospel with the world. So John was a faithful example, and you can be as well. But also, Jesus was baptized to set an example for you and me. Look at verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. That's a fulfillment of prophecy in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 42. The act of Jesus to follow God's instruction for him to be baptized, please God, fulfill prophecy, and opened up the door for you and me to follow his example of obedience. So Jesus set an example for us in every single way. But particularly, when he consented to be baptized by John, he set the model for you to follow, for me to follow. Have you taken that step of faith in Jesus? Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior and then followed him in believer's baptism? What is baptism? Well, baptism is a sign of obedience. Jesus taught us that. It's a sign of humility. Yes, it's humbling to go into the water, go down under the water and come back up to show that you have died to yourself and been buried with Jesus and been raised to walk as a new person. It's humbling. But it's also a sign that you've died to yourself and you've died to your pride. He actually has become your righteousness. And when he becomes your righteousness, you want to show the whole world that he is your righteousness. And it's also that sign of that new life in Jesus. You're raised with Jesus to walk in his righteousness. Matthew will continue to unpack the impact of this kind of obedience as we move through the gospel. But for today... Matthew does introduce us to a new message for a new era. As we begin this new year, as we begin 2023, we have an opportunity to walk as an example for Jesus in a new kind of way for this new year. We live in a world of messages, and messages come in many different forms. And the greatest message the world needs to hear from me and for you, from you, it's the message we speak with our lives and with our words. So here's the question for this new year for us. Who will be willing to be like John the Baptist? Who will be willing to be the Lottie Moon for our generation? Who will be willing to be the Martin Luther for our generation? Who will be willing to let the world see that Jesus Christ has transformed your life? He is your righteousness. Who will be willing to expose that new person that you are through a faithful messenger that you can be 
through a fervent message that you can share, and through a faithful example that God is calling you to live in 2023. Like John the Baptist, your message can change the world. And I pray you'll be willing to let him lead you in the way of repentance today and every day as we accept his righteousness and then demonstrate his righteousness to the world around us. Father, I thank you today for a new year. I thank you that you've called us out of 2022 of all that's happened in this past year. You've called us to a new day, a new message, a new era. And God, how I pray that you'll help us to be faithful. Be faithful to say, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. If there's one here today who's never said, Lord Jesus, I, I want to give all of my life to you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin and turn away from my sin and turn to you. And I want to make all of life about you. I pray that today that person would pray that prayer in their heart right now and accept your gift of salvation. Father, I also pray today for many of us who need to open up our life to the Holy Spirit. Ask if there's anything we need to repent of and then be faithful to repenting of our sin today and turning away from our sin and turning to you. God, I pray in the next few minutes as we reflect on your word, the Spirit of God speaks to our heart. I pray we will be obedient in Jesus' name.